What's going on, everybody? Jay Sannon here, bringing you another exciting edition of the GBI Show. That's right. It's Gridiron Betting Insights here from ATS. And tonight, we look at Week 18 on the NFL schedule, the final game of the NFL regular season for each of the 32 teams. We will cover all 16 games from a betting perspective. We will also give you some insights into some of the clinching scenarios throughout the show uh, for each team. Most of the playoff spots sewn up, but there is seeding at stake in a lot of these games. And there are a few playoff spots up for grabs as well. So we'll kind of let you know where you should be looking as far as the games that actually matter, which games mean absolutely nothing in terms of the playoff seedings, and where there might be some draft implications as well here on the show as we cover Week 18 comprehensively on a show where, fortunately for all of you, I am not going to jump up and down without a shirt on like Antonio Brown did on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. So you're welcome for that. Of course, folks, the show, not possible without the fine folks at ATS. And of course, I urge you, go to ATS.io slash GBI. Get some exclusive sportsbook bonuses from the show. Of course, New York State, my home state, going live with legal online sports betting action starting on Saturday morning, 9 a.m. A few sports books will be launching. Uh, we do have a couple of those books over at ATS.io slash GBI, Caesar Sportsbook, as well as Bet Rivers will be represented on that page. You can get your bonuses right through there. And when we go live with the sports betting action in New York State, Saturday, 9 a.m., you will have those bonuses at your disposal. So check out ATS.io slash GBI to get involved with that. Without any further ado, folks, week 18 of the NFL season. Let's get right into it. Of course, no Thursday night football this week. A little bit of a later start if you are a part of our live show audience. Uh, we're doing it a little bit later because we're not competing with Thursday night football, which is pretty nice. Gives us a little bit more time to prepare a decent show for you. But we do have some Saturday night action in the NFL, and we will start with that here on the Gridiron Betting Insight Show. And we will start with the early game on Saturday. Both of these uh, Saturday games going to be on ESPN and ABC. Chiefs-Broncos going to start us off. Patrick Mahomes and company, 10-point favorites, taking on the Broncos. Total 44.5 at mile high. And it's a game where I lean toward the Chiefs in this contest. I'm not a big fan of laying double figures, but... If you look at the way these two teams have been playing recently, kind of understandable to lay the wood with the Chiefs here. Of course, the Chiefs, they have something to play for here in that if they win and the Tennessee Titans do manage to somehow lose to the Houston Texans on Sunday, you have a situation where the Chiefs would then take over the number one seed in the AFC. Beyond having something to play for, the Chiefs have just been spectacular as of late. Of course, they did lose to the Bengals last week, but it was a tight game on the road and you know, the Chiefs had won eight straight before that. They were going to lose at some point over the course of the rest of the season. But you look at the way the Chiefs have been playing recently, 33.7 points per game over their last three games. That is tops in the NFL during that stretch. You look at the Broncos on the other side. They have really struggled offensively without Teddy Bridgewater. They were kind of struggling offensively with Teddy Bridgewater. It has gotten worse with Drew Locke as their quarterback, averaging 12 points per game over their last three games, fourth worst in the NFL during that time period. The Chiefs over that same span, the three-game span for each team, averaging over two yards per play more than the Denver Broncos over those last three weeks. 
And as if that wasn't enough, right, as if the statistical stuff wasn't enough to favor the Chiefs in this game by quite a bit, you'll look at the injury situation for the Denver Broncos coming into this game, and the secondary is having a lot of problems coming into this contest. Patrick Sertan, you got Ronald Darby, Kareem Jackson, all out in the Broncos secondary heading into this game. And if there's a team where you do not want to have injuries in the secondary, it is going to be against the Kansas City Chiefs as they have so many weapons at all levels of their passing offense to really hurt you. I think that is going to be a big problem for the Denver Broncos. And for that reason, I am, in fact, leaning toward the Kansas City Chiefs minus those 10 points. Of course, you remember earlier in the season in Kansas City, they played a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, the Chiefs needed a defensive touchdown to cover the number against the Broncos, but they got it done there. To me, the Chiefs have only gotten better from there. The Broncos have only gotten worse. And I think that we see at mile high the Chiefs do win that game by double figures. Next up, we have the Cowboys and Eagles on Saturday night. That is the nightcap on the Saturday schedule. Cowboys five-and-a-half-point favorites. That's been bet down a little bit. It was up around seven earlier in the week. Total 42-and-a-half. And this is a game for me where you know both teams are in the playoffs. Uh, there is some seeding implications here. The Cowboys can move up as high as the two seed. The Eagles, they can move from seventh to sixth if things break their way. And we'll talk more about those teams kind of hovering in that five, six, seven region in just a little bit here on the show. But this is a game where I lead toward the under 42 and a half. Uh, you look at some injuries on both sides. You have Dallas Goddard, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, all on the COVID list for the Philadelphia Eagles. On the other side, offensive lineman Tyron Smith is also on the COVID list. By the way, on the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys, you have uh, Trayvon Diggs questionable with an illness. And you wonder if that might be an upgrade defensively for the Dallas Cowboys. He made a lot of big plays early in the season, but he has been cooked this year to the tune of a 1,000 yards by opposing receivers. You wonder if maybe him being out is going to help the Cowboys secondary in some strange way in this game. Um, you know, I think it's a game where both of these teams playing very well defensively as of late. Uh, they've given up 15 points a game or less on the defensive side of the ball over each of their last three games. And I think we see that continue. I also think we see these teams not try to give too much away going into the postseason, as both of them already know that they are in there. And of course, this is one of those speculative things where we all know betting on week 18 is a minefield. This is the first week 18, of course, but betting on the last week of the season is a minefield. And I think that this is a game where we could very well see the game go under the total uh, based off of all the offensive issues that both teams are having from an injury perspective and just how well both of the defenses are playing as well. Next up, we're going to stay in the NFC, but we're going to head north. We're going to go to Packers-Lions next. Packers three-and-a-half-point favorites, total of 45. And this game is one where you're wondering who is taking the field for both teams, more so than anything else. Aaron Rodgers was expected to sit out because the Packers had clinched the number one seed in the NFC. That may or may not be the case. He said he's going to play this game, but who knows? Uh, he's lied to us before this season about quite a few things. So we'll see if uh, he's telling the truth here. Of course, Aaron Rodgers mired in all kinds of uh, back and forth with a member of the Chicago media this week. It's been a weird week for Aaron Rodgers between speculation on 
whether or not he's going to play, and then his little war of words with some complete random from Chicago who apparently isn't going to vote for him for MVP for a number of reasons that have nothing to do with football. And real quick, while we're here, just uh, just going to fire off a quick MVP take. If we are going to give it to a quarterback, and in my opinion, Jonathan Taylor should get a lot more credit in the MVP race this year. I get it. You know, quarterback is the most valuable position on the field. But with the way Taylor's played, I think he deserves a look. If it is going to go to a quarterback, though, I think Joe Burrow deserves it more than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Packers, they were a one seed last year. They were, you know, they hosted the NFC Championship game. The Cincinnati Bengals have been horrible for a very long time before Joe Burrow came along and kind of fixed things with their explosive passing game. And of course, you can credit the coaching. I think that Cincinnati deserves a look for coach of the year as well. But I, Joe Burrow's numbers better in a lot of categories than Aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that he was sacked more than twice as much. He still doesn't have great pass protection. I'm just saying, I think Joe Burrow, who I have certainly been critical of before he's reached these great heights in the NFL, I think he deserves a look for the MVP this year, maybe more so than Aaron Rodgers. As for this game against the Lions, I lean toward the Lions in this game. Um, you know, I get it. The Packers are laying less than a touchdown against Detroit. It seems very appealing to go with Green Bay. But in my opinion, the Lions are going to try harder for four quarters here than are the Green Bay Packers. I think this is a game where even if Aaron Rodgers does play, I think you could very well see him sat out around halftime if he goes or even sooner than that because the ultimate goal for the Packers is going to be getting him through to the divisional round without picking injuries against a team like the Detroit Lions. This game means nothing to the Packers from a seeding perspective, and I think we could very well see them kind of shut down early on if he does, in fact, for any period of time. If we do see Jordan Love, you have to remember Jordan Love scored seven points against the Chiefs defense that was really struggling at that point in the year. They really had a hard time moving the ball. It was a 13-7 game. The defense really brought it for Green Bay in that game against Kansas City where Love got the start. And even then, with Love at quarterback, they just never felt like a threat to win that football game because he wasn't able to move the ball with any kind of regularity. Uh, Jared Goff is questionable in this game for the Lions, but they did put up some points last week against the Seahawks with the backup. I think that the Lions could very well win this game outright. I really like what they've done with Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions. I mean, they've really kind of found something nice there, getting him involved in a few different ways. Not quite to the level of a guy like Debo Samuel in San Francisco, but, you know, they've used him in the running game a little bit, some of those pop passes. And then, of course, just as a traditional wide receiver, I think that there's some things going on that are positive in Detroit, which is kind of rare. And I also think that they just kind of are trying to build a more hard-nosed culture with Dan Campbell as their coach to where I don't think they're going to tank this Week 18 game at all. I think they could very well win it outright. I would take the Lions if I were a uh, man who was betting on Week 18 NFL action. That meant nothing to either team from a playoff perspective. Next up, we have Colts-Jaguars in the AFC. Colts 15-point favorites on the road, total 44. And it's a game where you're kind of obligated to look at the Colts. Uh, you know, they're playing for something. Jacksonville is playing for something as well. But what Jacksonville is playing for is to lose this game and clinch the number one pick with a 2-15 and record, whereas it's a win-and-you're-in game for Indianapolis. Even a loss, they could potentially still get in. 
We'll talk about the interesting scenario where they might not if they manage to lose to the Jaguars. But it's a game where, based off of what each team needs, you would lean toward the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, I think that the Jaguars kind of lay down here. I really do. I think that that combined with Indianapolis playing with a sense of urgency kind of leads you to Indy. It is worth pointing out, week one last season, you did have the Jaguars upset the Colts. Of course, that was a Philip Rivers-led Colts team, not Carson Wentz. And they hadn't quite discovered what they had in Jonathan Taylor yet back then. It's a very different situation. But you have that. You also have the fact that the Jaguars, they have beaten the Buffalo Bills earlier this season, that 9-6 game where the Bills just never got going offensively. Do nerves creep in here for the Colts and kind of force them into a situation like that? I personally don't think so, but at least the blueprint has been laid there before to where it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. We could get a more interesting game than we all expect if uh, if the Colts get off to a slow start there. But I would lean the Colts to just blow out a Jaguars team that has a vested interest in getting blown out this week. Next up, we got the football team and the Giants, another game with absolutely no implications on the playoffs whatsoever. Uh, the football team has been bet up to a seven-point favorite, total 37 and a half. And this is a game we gave out on uh, ATS.io Monday night into Tuesday morning. Uh, gave it out at six and a half, uh, backing the Washington football team. And the reason for that is mainly just that the Giants offense has been just atrocious since Daniel Jones was shut down for the season. Their last three games averaging under seven points a game, easily the worst in the NFL during that time period. They're the only team in the league over the last three weeks, not averaging double figures. And you look at the way these two teams played against one another earlier in the season. They played that kind of wacky Thursday night game where Washington won, but they needed a last-second field goal. They needed a Giants offside penalty to get them a second last-second field goal attempt, which they eventually made just to win that game. But you have to remember, that was with Daniel Jones at quarterback. The Giants were at least competitive at times with Daniel Jones at quarterback. That has not been the case with this Mike Glennon slash Jake Fromm combination in East Rutherford. And it is going to be Fromm this week. Glennon is out. I believe it's a uh, season-ending wrist injury, if I'm not mistaken, for Glennon. And, I mean, it should really be the last time we see Mike Glennon on an NFL field based off of the way he's played, not based off of his age, just based off the complete lack of ability that we have seen from him over a pretty extended period of time now in a backup role. Um, does the Washington football team have enough in the tank offensively to cover by a touchdown is really the question here. Uh, some questionables all over the place on offense for Washington as Curtis Samuel, Seals Jones, Gibson, all questionable. But uh, Jared Patterson, SUNY Buffalo looked really good last week in the running game for the uh, for the Washington football team. Left him on my bench in fantasy, still won the title with the team named Jacking. Big, long pause, a big space there. Goff. You're welcome. But, uh, but I think Washington looked really decent last week. They showed some fight against the Eagles, which is kind of more than you would expect from a team that's already kind of been eliminated from playoff contention, and I don't think it's going to take a lot of fight to really beat down the New York Giants. We did see the Chicago Bears do so last week by a score of 29-3. to um, I, I think we see a similar result here for the Giants, who are just so clearly trying to get the season over with. 
So hopefully they can get Dave Gettleman out of the picture. And then, of course, myself personally as a Giants fan, hoping that Joe Judge goes right along with him as a, it's been just a complete joke this season for the New York Giants. So I would lean toward the football team there. Moving on, Bears, Vikings. Bears, five and a half point underdogs on the road, total 44 and a half. And it's going to be Andy Dalton again this week for the Chicago Bears as Justin Fields is listed as out for this game. On the other side, it will be Kirk Cousins for the Vikings back off of the COVID list. He has been activated. They said he's going to play in a game that is ultimately meaningless for the Vikings. But it could be very meaningful for Cousins and head coach Mike Zimmer. And really, this is an interesting game because you have both sides with coaches kind of potentially trying to save their jobs here. Uh, Matt Nagy, it might be a little too late for him. Uh, Same thing goes for Zimmer. We could very well see both of these teams with new coaches at the end of the season. But I do think that we see both of these teams play pretty hard as a result of that, despite the fact this game means absolutely nothing. And I think we see an under in this game as a result. Listen, Chicago last week, they put up 29 points, but you have to contextualize what happened there. Uh, A couple of early turnovers by the Giants set up some scoring opportunities for the Bears deep in Giants territory. I don't think you get the same kind of complete giveaways from the Vikings in this contest. And, I mean, you know, on the other side, the Bears, they're decent defensively. I think they're going to make Kirk Cousins work a little bit. I think it's a game that could end up somewhere around the 23-20, maybe 20-17 type of range. And I think that both of these teams are going to fight, even though it doesn't mean anything, because I think they're going to fight for their coaches. And that's kind of what you do as a player in the NFL when a coach is on the hot seat, at least in most cases. And I think that's what we're going to see in this game. It's not going to be a particularly pretty affair between those two NFC North teams. Next up, we'll go to the AFC North with Bengals and Browns, a battle of backup quarterbacks here in Ohio. Bengals six-point dogs, total 38. Of course, we wrote about this game Monday night on ATS.io. We're like, man, take the Bengals minus two and a half. They still have something to play for as far as seeding is concerned, whereas the Browns had nothing to play for. And then, of course, Joe Burrow is announced out to rest his sore knee. Joe Mixon announced out due to a COVID situation. All of a sudden, the Bengals are six-point underdogs. I would still recommend taking the Cincinnati Bengals and taking those six points in this contest. They're going to be trotting out Brandon Allen, certainly not an impressive quarterback situation for them in this game. But on the other side, it's going to be either Case Keenum or uh, who's the other guy? Kyle Laletta, the uh, former Giants draft pick. I think he's thrown just a few passes in his pro career so far for the, uh, it wasn't even for the Cleveland Browns, but now he has the opportunity to start here for the Cleveland Browns if it's not Keenum. Either way, I don't expect a lot out of the Cleveland offense in this game because the Cleveland offense has been terrible with Baker Mayfield. It wasn't good with Case Keenum on that Thursday night game against the Denver Broncos. They managed to get a lot of uh, rushing production out of Dearness Johnson, but it wasn't like Keenum was lighting anything up in that game. We've already seen Nick Mullins fail at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns this season. I just don't think that the Browns have a lot left in the tank offensively. And for those players who are active in Cincinnati, you got to remember, I mean, this is a Bengals team that they could end up anywhere between the one and the four seed. They have clinched the division in there in the AFC North, so they can't do any worse than fourth. But if things break their way, they could end up with the number one seed. So you expect the rest of that roster to go out there 
and played pretty hard over the last three weeks. And of course, this is with Burrow at quarterback. So you have to take this with a grain of salt. Cincinnati, number one in the NFL in yards per play over the last three weeks, 7.1 yards per play. They're averaging 2.1 yards of play more than the Cleveland Browns over that time period, which gives you kind of some wiggle room here if you're Cincinnati, right? You're not going to go out there and earn seven yards of play with Brandon Allen as your quarterback. That's just not going to happen. But you could easily still gain five yards of play and be right there with Cleveland that whole game. I think as close to a touchdown underdog, the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have a real shot to win this game outright because they still have a vested interest to do so. Next up, we have the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans. Total 43 in this game. Titans 10.5-point favorites. Of course, the Tennessee Titans, they can lock up the number one seed in the AFC with a win here, which is just crazy to think about given how long they were without Derrick Henry, how long they were without A.J. Brown. And, of course, Julio Jones really never arrived for this Tennessee Titans team. And yet they are still on the precipice of earning that number one seed. Give Mike Frabel all the credit in the world for that. Talking about Coach of the Year, Cincinnati certainly on the list. Tennessee with Mike Frabel certainly on the list of guys who should be considered for that award as well. And it's a game where I lean toward the under here, I think more than anything else. Tennessee, they certainly have the potential to put up a few points here in this game, score pretty big. But you look at the Texans averaging just under 16 points a game on the season, and the Titans averaging about 13 points a game allowed on defense over the last few weeks. And I think we see Tennessee really shut down the Texans to where yeah, you could end up with something like a 30 to 30 to 13 game. You still push the total. I think that as long as Tennessee doesn't break into the high 30s, you're going to end up with a game that goes under this total as far as I am concerned. So that is halftime here on the GBI show here in week 18. And of course, during halftime, I want to remind you, check out ATS.io slash GBI, the online home of the GBI show. Uh, we are working on getting a little, you know, listening platform on that page. But uh, you can also check out sportsbook bonuses from books that are available throughout the United States. And, of course, if you are signing up to play in New York starting this weekend as they launch their first four books in New York, 9 a.m. Saturday morning, uh, we do have Caesars and Bet Rivers bonuses available for you there as those are two of the four books that will be launching on Saturday morning in New York. So again, that is ATS.io slash GBI. Feel free to check that out. Now, second half of the GBI show is here, and we will start with the other game in the AFC North, that being the Steelers and the Ravens. Steelers six-point dogs, total 42. Um, it's a game that I don't have a lot of interest in playing because both of these teams have really struggled offensively. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh especially, yeah, they won that kind of Ben Roethlisberger last hurrah game at Heinz Field on Monday night against the Browns, but that offense was putrid for the vast majority of that contest. Of course, Najee Harris with a big run late to make it look a little bit better than it was, but not a good showing at all from Pittsburgh. And you look at their last three weeks, uh, Pittsburgh averaging four yards of play flat, which is somehow better than three other teams in the league but it is not at all an impressive situation for that Pittsburgh offense. And you look at Deontay Johnson being on the COVID list heading into this week, it is not set to get any more impressive for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into this game. Uh, Baltimore, meanwhile, 
averaging five points a game more than the Steelers over the last three weeks, which is impressive because they've got backup quarterbacks doing that as opposed to Pittsburgh with its starter in Ben Roethlisberger, just something interesting to note there. And, you know, both of these teams, they need to win here and they need a lot of help in order to get to the playoffs. I'm going to, I'm going to read off these playoff implications for both of these teams. I'm not even going to sit here and pretend like I've memorized these two because there's a lot going on. I'm strictly going to look down at my notes and read them because it is, it is like a book as far as what these two teams need to get into the playoffs. For the Ravens, they make the playoffs where they win a Chargers loss to the Raiders, a Colts loss to the Jaguars, and a Dolphins loss or tie against the Patriots in Week 18. Now, you look back at those, and the Colts obviously stick out because the Colts are double-digit, more than two touchdown favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you kind of feel like the Ravens' hopes are done right about there. Steelers make the playoffs with a win. Colts loss and anything but a tie in Chargers versus Raiders. Again, the Colts' loss is the big sticking point there because the Colts are probably not going to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, they very well could. It is possible, but it is highly unlikely that either of these teams gets the win that they need along with the help that they need in order to make the playoffs. I lean the Ravens here just because the Steelers have been so bad offensively, but I want nothing to do with this. We don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to play either. He didn't practice on Thursday. Given the situation and the fact that so much needs to happen for these teams to get in, I think it'd probably be smart to sit Lamar and just hold him for next season. But who knows what they do in Baltimore. I would lean toward them, but I have no interest in that game whatsoever as a better. Next up, NFC South. In the late window, we are looking at Saints versus Falcons. Saints, four and a half point favorites on the road. Total 39 and a half. And this is a game where, again, one team has something to play for, one team does not. The Saints, they can get into the playoffs still, despite everything that's happened to them this season, if they win and the Niners lose to the Rams in the late window. Whereas the Falcons, they've been eliminated from playoff contention, their season pretty much over at this point in time. And that's one of the reasons why I would lay the points with the New Orleans Saints here. And of course, you do that, and the question becomes, can the Saints get enough out of Taysom Hill in order to justify laying the number there? And I mean, we saw it last week, and it's kind of going to have to be the formula again this week, where they get you know a couple of big plays out of Alvin Kamara. Maybe Hill hits you with a couple of deep throws just to keep the defense off balance, but you're not going to be able to rely on Taysom Hill for that entire game to be a a brilliant passer or anything like that. It's going to be Kamara driving the offense. And I think that they will do just enough. I think that, again, you could be looking at something like a 21-10 type of score. Falcons dealing with the potential loss of Kyle Pitts, dealing with a hamstring issue. He is listed as questionable. Again, with them being out of the playoffs, I think it would be foolish to play Kyle Pitts, who, if not for Jamar Chase, would have made us look real smart as a candidate for offensive rookie of the year at 10 to 1 odds coming into the season. But I think that they should sit pits. We'll see if they do. Either way, I think that the Saints will be able to do enough offensively against the Falcons defense, allowing just under 27 points per game. Three teams worse than that in the NFL this season Jets, Jaguars, and Lions. That is not good company to be in when it comes to your defense or really anything. In the game of football, you compare that to New Orleans with a top-four scoring defense. 
and a top four defense in terms of yards per play allowed this season. I think they do just enough. Like I said, something around 21-10 to keep their playoff hopes alive, put the pressure on San Francisco to protect their spot in the postseason. Now, a team that's already got their spot in the postseason locked up, and it's just a question of where they're going to be seated, the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk about them next as they are 16-point favorites against the New York Jets, total 41. And it's a game where you win and you win the division. If you are the Buffalo Bills, of course, if you lose, then there's the potential for the uh, Patriots to leapfrog them, and we'll see what happens with that. But at the end of the day, the Bills will be competing in the postseason. I think they cover the number here. I'm just I'm super high on the Bills all year. But I think that, again, as a heavy favorite, they thrashed the Jets earlier in the season at MetLife Stadium. Now you're going to be at home, crowd looking to celebrate a division title against a team with the worst scoring defense in the league, ranked 31st in yards per play allowed on defense. The Jets really struggle to stop anybody, and I think that is going to continue here. Meanwhile, you look at the Bills, number one in the league in yards per play allowed. The Bills second in scoring defense. Huge defensive mismatch in this contest. And another mismatch, I mean, it's just been all season long, it's been mismatches for the Jets. Worst point differential in the AFC with the exception of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You look at the Jets, minus 177, their point differential. Again, only the Jaguars worse in that regard in the AFC. And I think we see that number get very close to minus 200 by the end of this game. I think we see the Bills win this game by potentially three touchdowns or more, especially with the Jets in a log jam, bunch of 4-12 and 12 teams. Real chance to help their draft stock if they go out there and get crushed this weekend. I think the Bills will cover the number there. Now, we talked earlier about the Saints, right? The Saints, they need a win and a Niners loss in order to get in. Well, fortunately for them, the Saints are favored and the Niners are not. San Francisco, a four and a half point underdog at the Rams this week, total 44 and a half. And it's a game where the Saints, hoping the Niners lose. The Niners, of course, looking to protect their spot in the playoffs with a win here. But they face a team in the Rams that's looking to protect their lead in the NFC West. A win for the Rams means a division title, whereas a loss combined with the Cardinals' win over the Seahawks would mean Arizona took the division crown, and all of a sudden the Rams would be going on the road in the first week of the postseason. Jimmy G questionable for this game with a thumb injury, but either way, I mean, you know, it was a rough start for Trey Lance last week against Houston. They figured it out. They made it work. Uh, the Niners averaging 6.9 yards a play over their last three, which is second in the NFL. Both of these teams really good at moving the ball season long, though. And it's not a surprise why, right? You've got McVay, you got Shanahan, two pretty smart offensive minds running the shows on these teams. Both tied for first in the NFL in yards per play this season at 6.1 yards a pop. And, you know, it's an interesting game to me because both of these teams need a lot from it. It's a game I'd probably stay away from due to the huge sense of urgency on both sides. I would lean toward the Rams here, though. I think that, number one, being at home is going to be really important. But I also think that, you know, if the Saints end up winning by enough points, you know, I don't know that this I don't know that this particular Niners group has the mental fortitude to push ahead through that kind of pressure. That would just be kind of my takeaway on the situation. Slight lean to the Rams for that reason. I think that it's gonna be a game where San Francisco kind of looking scoreboard watching throughout. 
not going to be able to afford to to do that against a Rams team that is very explosive on offense, but really stout on defense. Just a good all-around team who's really righted the ship over these last few weeks heading into the postseason. I would lean toward the Rams there. A few more games to get to here on the GBI show, folks. Next, we're going to get to one that is interesting, not really because of the postseason implications, but because of all the weird stuff going on around both teams heading into the end of the season. Panthers, Bucks, Panthers plus eight, total 41 and a half game being played in Tampa. And of course, the Antonio Brown stuff took the the nation's attention by storm on Sunday. We're still talking about it. Apparently, there are uh, there are online models with toilet seats who were hooking up with Antonio Brown before the game, who may or may not be testing positive for COVID and urging the Buccaneers to get tested for it. Um, there's so many different potential backstories as to why Antonio Brown did what he did on the field that day. And then, of course, on the other side, you have the Panthers who brought in Cam Newton to disastrous results. Uh, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, who was thought to be a genius prior to this job, uh, he got fired in the middle of the season. And now we're wondering if this is it for Matt Rule in Carolina this week. Just a weird game across the board. And then you throw on top of that the fact that the Bucs, they can move up to the second seat in the NFC. Just a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, I would lean the Bucs in this game. I just The Panthers are so bad offensively, averaging 10 points a game in their last three. Only the New York Giants worse. The Panthers averaging 3.7 yards a play over their last three games. And once again, only the New York Giants have been worse. That's concerning. Uh, we talked about it, how if on defense your company is the Lions, Jets, and Jaguars, you're not doing very well. If the company you've been keeping offensively is the New York Giants as of late, Again, you're not doing too well either if you're the Carolina Panthers. Bucks haven't been great offensively as of late. They're only averaging 20 points a game over their last three. But 20 points in this game might be enough to win by 20 with the way that the Carolina Panthers have been playing offense. I would lean toward the Buccaneers in this game. Um, that's a game where you're also going to want to kind of keep an eye on what's been going on around uh, Tampa Bay. If it, you know, if the seedings don't look like they're going to go their way, we could very well see them kind of pump the brakes and just kind of start focusing on the next week and the start of the playoffs. But I would lean toward Tampa Bay there with just what we know now. Next up, back to the AFC East. Patriots, six and a half point favorites at the Dolphins, total of 40. I lean toward the Dolphins here. Look, this is a game that the Patriots need, right? They need to win this game. They need a Bills loss if they want to win the division. But they also have a lot of seeding flexibility coming into this game. They could finish anywhere between the top seed in the AFC or the, you know, or the sixth seed and everywhere in between. It's a very bizarre final week here for the AFC playoff seedings. The problem here is I just think that this Miami team is good enough to really challenge the Patriots. They had their seven-game win streak snap last week against the, uh, against the Tennessee Titans. They were blown out in that game, but that was kind of to be expected. You know, you beat up on a lot of bad teams, then you go on the road and face a really good team. Chances are things aren't going to work out as well for you as they had been over those past seven weeks against mostly bad competition. The Patriots by no means bad competition, but I would not lay close to a touchdown on the road with them right now, especially against the Miami team. Pretty decent defensively. I mean, they're allowing a field goal less per game 
than the Patriots over the last three weeks. And the Patriots, of course, averaging 11 points per game more over the last three weeks. But you got to remember they put up a 50-burger against the Jags last week to really inflate those numbers. Outside of that, they were, you know, okay against the Bills in that division game. But, you know, they were outscored. They were outscored pretty convincingly. In that contest, I think the Tua to Waddle connection finishes strong here. And I think that late season in Miami, I think we could very well see an outright win for the Dolphins here. I'll take the six and a half points just to be safe. Two more games to go here on the GBI show, the final regular season show of the uh, 2021 NFL campaign, which is, of course, now ending in 2022. Seahawks-Cardinals is our penultimate game here on the show. Seahawks, seven-point underdogs on the road against the Cardinals, total 48. And I lean toward the under in this game. Seattle, nothing to play for here, which is weird for them at this point in the season. They're usually gearing up for a playoff run. Cardinals, quite the opposite. Usually they have nothing to play for. Now they're gearing up for the playoff run. So a little role reversal here. But the key to this game is going to be the defense, I think, of the Cardinals, fifth best scoring defense in the NFL at 21 points per game. You combine that with some recent struggles offensively for them to the tune of 17, a little over 17 and a half points per game on offense in their last three games. And it's become clear that they're a team that's kind of been leaning on its defense, right? I mean, they kept the Cowboys in check a lot last week, winning with what, I think 25 points in Dallas. That was an impressive defensive effort. And you combine that with kind of the regression offensively since DeAndre Hopkins has gone away. And I think that all signs point to the under here. Seattle 10-5-1 and to the under this season. And it's the question for Seattle comes, what happens to this team going forward, right? This could be the end of uh, Russell Wilson. It could be the end of Pete Carroll. R- Wilson at least more likely to still be here because he is still under contract. He's kind of talking like, He wants to be traded, but who knows what happens with that. It's just an interesting situation to see a team that's been not dynastic. I mean, you know, they didn't win multiple titles or anything, but who has been so good for so long come back down to earth. And I think that uh, their struggles combined with the recent offensive struggles of Arizona equal under in this situation. Now we're going to get to Sunday night football, the final Sunday night football of the regular season. It is Chargers Raiders. It is win and you're in. Chargers three-point favorites, total 49 and a half. And this is a game that could go in a million different directions as far as I'm concerned, including the tie. Let's talk about the tie because the tie has been a topic of conversation over the course of this week. If the Colts somehow lose to the Jaguars and this Sunday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders ends in a tie, The Chargers and Raiders get into the playoffs, bumping the Colts out. Now, I believe the coach of the Raiders was asked about uh, whether or not he wants the tie, you know, if there would be some sort of a gentleman's agreement if the Colts were to lose. That's been talked down. That has been shot down by the uh, the coaching staffs there. So I don't think we're going to see that happen. We're not going to see a tie here. Let's be realistic. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. Both of these teams are going to want to win and improve their stock as much as they can heading into the playoffs. And as far as the question of who's going to win this game, 
I, to be honest, I think your guess is as good as mine. I mean, both these teams have been very inconsistent throughout this season. Of course, huge question marks still for the Raiders as Waller and Jacobs are questionable. Chargers, clearly the better offensive team. Raiders have been the better defensive team. Raiders have really struggled on offense over the last four or six weeks. If I had to select a team to win this game, thank goodness I do not because I have no interest in trying. If I had to take one, it would be the Raiders based solely off of being at home and the fact that I just don't think Justin Herbert's proven that he can win in these big spots yet. Not that Derek Carr has, but at least he's got home field to to help him out. But I have no interest in betting this game. I'm going to sit back and enjoy this one as a fan as what should really be an interesting final game of the regular season. And folks, that is your look at week 18 of the NFL season here on the Gridiron Betting Insights Show. Of course, next week we're going to start talking playoffs, right? Because we have super wild card weekend coming next week. We're going to have Saturday playoff games, Sunday. There's going to be Monday playoff games. We'll talk about all of them. I think, what is there going to be six games next week? We'll talk about every game, no matter how many there are. We are also going to take a look back at the preseason bets that we recommended here on the show, the season win totals, uh, the division winners, all that fun stuff. And uh, they have gone pretty well so far. There's a couple of games that we're hoping go our way in terms of uh, securing a couple of pushes and avoiding a couple of losses. And if that happens, it will have been an excellent futures betting season here on the GBI show. So fingers crossed for that. Either way, win or lose, we're going to recap all of them and uh, laugh at our own expense a little bit at some of them and pat ourselves on the back about some as well. But the big thing next week is we're going to talk about Super Wild Card Weekend. Cannot wait to do that. Of course, until then, feel free to check out ATS.io slash GBI. Get your sportsbook bonuses ahead of the NFL playoffs. Until next time, this is Jay Sannon saying see you later. Good luck on your week 18 NFL bets. The first time that I've ever been able to say good luck on your week 18 bets because there's never been a week 18 before. More importantly, Be careful on your Week 18 bets, okay? This is the trickiest week of the NFL season. There is a reason why fantasy leagues do their playoffs and end them the week before the last week of the season. It's just a tricky week, so be careful. Manage your bankroll very responsibly, and good luck. We will see you next week here on the GBI Show.